a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason, Jason Lee, along with Amy Donaldson. Today, we are again joined by our friend Ann Dent, who is a political consultant. Political consultant. I'm going to slow down. And we're going to discuss some other issues that have gone on in Utah State Legislature, as well as some other politically related news uh, going on this week that, to me, is very fascinating. And uh, they've already blown my mind, even as we talk coming on uh, offline, about some stuff that I guess I should know, but... I am a Neanderthal under all of this, and so I, I have to be educated. So, and thank you, as always, for being here. Uh, so our state legislature, and even for people outside of Utah, I would love to uh, inform you how we are slowly dragging, our, well, our knuckle-dragging uh, male-dominated legislature into the 21st century. And this week, at least, this got through the House, right? Unanimously. So unanimously through the House, what... What bill are we talking about? So we're so excited. This has been um, talked about for session upon session for ages. Um, It's called the Period Project. They started this. um, So it's um, House Bill 162. Um, Period products will be provided by school boards to – Period meaning – Menstrual cycle. Feminine. Oh, so we can't say feminine. It's menstrual cycle. Yes. Menstrual – We'll get to feminine later. Yes. yes. So – what are we calling it now? It's menstrual cycle menstrual products. Menstrual cycle, cycle products yeah. will be provided in schools um, by school boards, and this will also be charter schools. And why I'm so excited about this, my daughter attends West, and she literally has told me, Mom, I pack all kinds of tampons and pads in my backpack because there's lots of girls that will be crying in the bathroom because they don't have any products or they don't have anything. And there's also girls that don't go to school because they can't afford feminine products. Oh, so wow. this is huge. And it was sponsored by Representative Lizenby. She's the House sponsor. She is a Davis County representative. And this is kind of inspiring because Finally, Davis County gets something right. It's mm-hmm. so great because and it just shows that like working together we can do thing good things, but it also shows when the supermajority gets behind something where it's going to pass. If this would have been put forward by one of our Democratic legislators, I mean, I'm not a psychic, but well, it has been in the past. And and I should say that in the past, one of the things that it's been tied to is um, like diapers and products mm-hmm. for people who are caring for elderly relatives. 
And so they separated it. They It's only period products, and they're aiming it at, at kids who don't have access to – these are expensive. I don't know if you all have I, – you know, I, th- I, th- I haven't bought any recently. Yeah, but I mean they're expensive, and, um, and depending on the family, it's a huge burden. But you know? they're not – so the strategy here – so mm-hmm. I watched it in committee being presented, and who presented it was Gail Miller and Kristen Andrus. Well, two who's going to vi- say no to Gail Miller? Two very philanthropic white women from Utah who do amazing work. And, and, and I would say by definition are conservative. Absolutely. You know? Gail Miller is the former owner of the Utah Jazz, uh, and she was also – Married to Larry Miller, who started the, her, their company, mm-hmm. and they just sold it recently for four billion dollars. So she is uh, the one, most wonderful person you'll ever come across, and she's been the matriarch business person in Utah for the last ten plus years. Yes, and Kristen Andrus is another woman in um, the state. Her husband is a businessman, and they do a lot of great work in the state. Um, I think he is affiliated to Traeger. I think he might have been the co-founder of Traeger. Traeger. Girls, yeah, um, and they. They both do amazing work, but I mean, this is great strategy. They get in front of this committee, and it passed with flying colors. And um, you know, it's just something that um, this group does really well. This supermajority—they mm-hmm. pick the right people, and they get these people behind them on these bills. And so, you know, I'm not complaining about it because the greater good here is it's being served, certainly. right? Okay, so but let's stay in schools. Let's stay. Let's stay in education. Um, because I want to. Uh, can we get to uh, yeah. uh, products? Okay, so oh, so you have a question about? I that. do have yeah. a question. So okay. in my mind, I think of this as first of all, I got two things. One is like the toilet seat. Uh, don't ask me to keep it up. Uh, put it down. Just do it yourself because that's what I do. I, when when I go into the toilet, I put it up or down. Uh, you know, depending upon what's needed. And I feel as though women don't do that, and we, they complain about us leaving them up when they leave. I'm just going. I'm, okay, I'm going fine. there, but I'm going to Another jump over podcast. something else. Go for it, and and then so. I'm not taking that bait. Go for uh, it. <laughs> Thank you, Amy, because I was about to take it. I was close to taking it. So uh, the other thing is, I've been told that the reason this is imp- one of the other reasons that it's important is because now the, a concern that we we were too uh, you know I don't know um, backwards thinking to uh, consider was trans. Men? Is this what I'm doing? Well, we call it period products, not feminine products, because Amy. So I think we just wanted to explain that the reason for that is that they're... Because I thought feminine products would sound reasonable. Yeah, because that's the way they've been referred. I mean, and and I I, I love this discussion that uh, Ellen had like six or eight years ago about why is everything made for women pink, right? Like so, and it's always called, these are feminine razors. They're the same as my husband's razors, but they're pink. You know, so I think there has been a, a... because of like because pink. of non-binary individuals and and being more open about their experience and 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 wanting to be just included in the discussions about these issues, right? So one of the things I was impressed about this issue was that it was an inclusive discussion. And not only is it like we want to do more to help these um, individuals stay in school because there are people who are missing school or or having not going to work. There are all kinds of other issues. Um, and honestly, I mean, I, this is probably TMI, but. You know, I left school twice in high school because I didn't have period products with me. And this, I, how do you, how does that happen? Yeah. Though? I mean, if you can afford it, how does it happen? Because no. your period yeah. is not like, hey, guess what? I'm coming in a couple. No, I know of, that, but if, knowing people. that, why don't you just always have some just in case? 
because as forget, a teenager, my daughter calls me yeah. every month saying, but "I every started." Every month, you know it's going to happen. Why wouldn't you, you have know, some in your bag? Because it's embarrassing. So every it's not embarrassing. No, no, every no, no, girl no, no, has no. Them. I mean, every, you I'm are sorry. not a sixteen-year-old girl. Let me explain. Okay, a sixteen-year-old girl carrying around tampons. I mean, I remember having to do that. It's huge. Nobody has to tell you. I understand you don't think hide it's them, embarrassing. I am telling you, it doesn't matter. They, you have your backpack. You're reaching for something else. I've done this on assignment. I was actually on an assignment when I was like. 30-ish, and I pulled out what I thought was a pen, and it was a tampon that had come out of the wrapper and was in my purse, and I was like, whoops, not that, and everybody, and I'm standing in a group of men. But that's because, right, that's unusual, No, it doesn't matter. For girls, a lot of young people, this is an embarrassing thing. I wouldn't buy these, except for like at night, at the 7-Eleven, from a female clerk. We shame women in a lot of ways and this is one of the things do you know what's interesting (laughs) this is so funny amy brought this up because um i like last month had to go to Harmons to pick up all kinds of things and so picked up a bunch of Period products. Period products. Even, even with nobody here, you're still kind of sheepishly saying No, I didn't want to call products. it feminine. Oh, so okay. now I'm right, trying right, to be right. politically correct. We got one. Yeah. Yes. So um, I actually had two big, because I always buy extra, big things of pads. And I'm like, I'm not going to hold these. Like, this is weird. Mm-hmm. I'm a 44-year-old what woman. Is weird? I'm like, are people going to assume that I'm on my period and I'm cranky? Like, what are they going to do? No, like, no. It, is it's so... not, it's, it feels like you're revealing something. It's yes. sort of like buying hemorrhoid cream, okay? <laughs> so you, you, you are revealing something about yourself that other people see as shameful. So, like, even if you don't have an issue with your period and and... You're not embarrassed by it, which every woman I know is embarrassed by it for like the first 10 years she has it. Yes. The first 10 years you have a period, you hate everything about it. It's painful. It makes you tired and sick and nothing is the same. You break out. There's all kinds of stuff associated with it that's negative. Nobody except for like the religious people in my life said, this is a blessing, you know, and then it didn't feel like a blessing. I was like, you can have this blessing. Um, but no, it's like 10 years before I could feel, I remember them doing a price check when I was buying pads in uh, college. That's what, and, it's like every comedy bit is yes, the price and I, check, right? And, I, and that's the thing. And I had only so much money and they were on sale. So I bought them, even though oh. I wasn't on the period at the time. And I'm like thinking the same thing. I'm 19 years old. Please don't think I'm on my period because I'm buying pads, which is who cares, right? But at 19, I was very mortified. So I'm like buying these other things. I only had so much money. It, they rang up as the wrong price. Oh. I had to call her out. They had to do a price check. Some guy who's in one of my classes has to go check the pad price and come back. So it's literally all the stuff you have a nightmare about. <laughs> but th- but these are things that we don't really talk about. And I love the, the, that when uh, there was this contest about young people making a podcast, one of the things this junior high group won, some girls. And they won because one of the things they discussed was their periods. Getting their period, having it on a regular basis. And mine was super erratic. So I would go three months with no period. And and then it would be like, you know, I was dying. That's how much blood I felt I was, lo- I was losing. Can so, we, I want to keep, I, yeah, I hate to say this, but I'm I want to keep going with this project. We're just, yeah. When yeah. we come back, we're going to use the first part of the segment to finish this because there's still some stuff we didn't get to, by the way. Yeah. Um, why this is everyone's problem. Th- why this is everyone's problem. And I'm and glad it's solved. educating Jason, the, the Neanderthal of this trio. So we'll be right back with more Voices of Reason.
Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Jason Lee, Amy Donaldson, back with the Loudmouth Projects, Voices of Reason, and joining us today, uh, we, I want to, for a little bit, I just, just finish say, this I, out. I didn't expect to have period confessions today. I did today, not, but. Uh, but I will tell you that it is of enlightening discussion, yeah. and I don't get to talk about this stuff because I don't know half of it, but I, I would still think that there's other guys listening to this. You didn't have sisters. Are, but also, I didn't. Yeah. Right, right, right. Jason, yeah, right, how old are you? I'm an old man. I'm 56. But, but again, nobody's talking about it. You and I were just he saying. He's been yeah. married to a woman for a very long time. Okay, Do I'm, I discuss? I'm going to embarrass, uh, yeah. embarrass her because she um, she didn't. Uh, Got it. Yeah, no. She so had some it problems so that right. that wasn't a big Got thing. Got it. Yeah. It just is so interesting that, you know, periods so and, and so now I can't say women, periods yeah. and right. with individuals are just something that, and there's still people that don't know about periods. No, no, I think it's because... I'm almost a senior citizen. I've just found out about it, Because it's so stigmatized, (laughs) right? Like, it's so stigmatized, it's attached to your genitalia. It's attached to... you know, having children or, you know, coming of age. It's it's attached to all these things that we already struggle with talking about. And so why would you want it to, and people just, I remember even trying to discuss it sometimes with friends and I had friends who would not talk about it. They were so embarrassed. I mean, Your monthly said, flow. All you'd have to, I mean, they, and flow. Aunt flow. That's aunt right. flow. That's what, people, flow. exactly. We've had all these code <gasps> words, right? And I can honestly say like, I've had very good discussions with my husband about my menstrual cycle because I have had issues. And so you I wanted my partners to understand what you know they were what, getting themselves into. Like like, right. like Anne was saying, like you get you get anemic and I, I was constantly had iron poor blood because of my menstrual cycle and it was really erratic. And there were times where I was like depression accompanied it or uh, you know, you'd have an acne breakout. There's all these things that we already struggle with. And so then you add on top of it this thing that is unavoidable, right. and and it's and it's biological. But you're not allowed to just talk about it. I remember people laughing in my yep. health class when we talked about periods and period products. Right? But that was I think part of that was the you know like nervous laughter because the people who the ladies uh, Again, in the class yeah. would it was serious to them, but they also were nervous about talking about it. And guys. We're teenagers no, in high always, school. We're dimwits to yeah. begin with, so you can't expect anything uh, mature coming out of their mouths. So I, I feel like, but actually, I think we should expect something mature because no. here's the because it is embarrassing, dude. No, you wouldn't. I wouldn't laugh and make fun of the, the stuff. That's you. If you were a no. dude, that's all you can do. No, you hit, <laughs> when you were a kid, you used to hit the girl you liked. 
This is what Again, you're dealing with. Unacceptable. <laughs> unacceptable. It's not unacceptable Let's, because we're stupid and that's what we do. No. I think there's also there's an aspect. This just occurred in, uh, this Amy. just this just occurred to me too. There's an aspect and we probably can't go into this in depth, but then when uh individual and this is my situation in my mid thirties, I had a health situation where then I stopped having a cycle and then when women are made to feel like if you're not having a cycle anymore, you're different. No, not just different. And, and people, it's it's well, negative. It's your. You, what is your use to the world? Well, I, stop it. Don't, what is yeah, going so, on with yeah, this? So I had okay. in my mid thirties, I had very early stages of cancer. So I had a partial hysterectomy, and um, very you know great healthcare, and I'm grateful that it just went through and. But so I didn't have a period. So there was bonuses to that, right? Because for 30 years, I had these horrible periods. But then that came depression because I lost this thing. And people ask, like, oh, you don't have a period anymore? How and does this, that come up, by the way? This comes from a lot of women, actually. They're yeah. like, I have cramps. Oh, I, I. And you get in a conversation like, you don't have your period? You're young. And I'm like. Well, don't you want to have more kids? It's all kinds of questions. Yeah, there's a million ways we make each other feel yes. guilty about things. So, so I that's but, a but whole. I do, okay. I don't want okay. to skip over your questions. Okay, so, yes. question, okay, so yeah. uh, the reason we, we 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 don't say feminine products is because mm-hmm. uh, be, we are a bit more enlightened today in this day and age, mm-hmm. and certainly uh, in this patriarchal, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, conservative legislature. There are trans. Individuals and non-binary and non-binary, mm-hmm. who uh, also would be included in this group that would uh, require or at least need uh, the the uh, the the products. Yes. So, so, so I think it's, I think it's important for people to realize that this isn't just a women's issue. This is uh, an issue that I mean, impacts everybody across the board. It's everyone's responsibility, in my opinion. And I, I I've always, far, but, I remember going in a women's bathroom once, and then there were period or tampons in there, and um, thinking this is so great, right? And then I, rem- years later, having a friend who is trans say to me, um, "Why w- I wish they would leave those in the men's room as well." And we got into a good discussion about this, right? So if you're a trans man, um, it's entirely possible that you need period products. If you're a non-binary individual who doesn't want to use one gender, a gendered restroom, you may need period products. Um, trans men can have children. And so I think that it's just important for us to be um, more inclusive in our language because I, I don't know about you, but like, and you've probably had this experience, um, when you go into a room or you get an email that says, I, I've had an email that says, you know, brethren or gentlemen or what you know you 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 ignore it because you want to read the email but you also kind of feel like do they see me am i a part of the am i the answer is not yet no but no i i don't i don't think they don't see me in the way that i that it feels like when you read that word that very gendered word you just kind of realize like when they're thinking broadly of the group they're not thinking of you as an individual woman Right. right so I think that's well, individual person in this case. But but I mean, it, but that's what say using one gender language like gentlemen or ladies right. using Guys. that kind of language. Yeah. Which I'm a terrible. I, that's my. Yeah, my up until recently, we were doing binary. So I, I don't want to get too far off the track. Yeah. Here. So for me, the yeah. uh, the enlightening part is like you mentioned that, you know, a man that's pregnant. Uh-huh. Well, 
again, that has that takes a minute to sink in. But of course, I get it now. Right. Mm -hmm. So that person uh, born with. A vagina. But we shouldn't just, even call them a man male or female, huh? because they don't identify as a man, right? My my friend does. Oh, right. they're got it. Yeah. Right. Sorry, that's right. Yep. So, See, I'm I know. That's, still... that's what it took me to get there too. I'm yeah. with you. No, I I think I think honestly, and non-binary, they can still have a vagina, and st and not choose uh, a, a gender in that way. Yeah, and and some and some construct. of my trans friends uh, use uh, gender neutral pronouns. Some of them use gendered pronouns. I think it's just important to think that there are situations occurring out in the universe <laughs> that don't mirror your experience. And so when someone brings it to your attention that, hey, like I'm left out of this group, even though I'm part of the group, um, just try to figure out how to include them and don't make a big deal out of it. It's not a big issue. I mean, there I know trans men who really struggle over which restroom to use. Right. Um, there, it's, I love going to the one that'll cause you the least amount of grief. Well, that, that's well, a really, feel, no, go to the one you feel safe in. That's no, but, what I mean. but here's the problem. That's, what, that's it's exactly not, what I mean. But that's such a, that's not easy because neither of them feel safe. And so that's one of the reasons I really well, favor you'll be able to protect yourself a little better than the other one. That's all I'm thinking. No, I think what happens is that, um, we, I know principals who've created genderless bathrooms. So they're just a bathroom with a door lock. It's a single. Yeah, but at least you have a door lock. That's protection, right? Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm not one of those people who believes that like uh, there's some danger to using a rest, a, a co-ed restroom. I've used a co-ed restroom in foreign countries, and I had no trouble with it because they used real doors on their stalls right. <laughs> instead of the ones that you can see through and under and on top of, right? Like they have this like but again, that's, barn that's door a, thing. That's yeah. a U.S. thing, right? It's a, it's a cultural U.S. thing. So I think. Uh, as you describe, I've been to those places mm -hmm. in, uh, abroad where they do have genderless. Yeah. However, I mean, in America, where we're talking about it, it isn't quite that simple. And so we, we, well, I believe we have to err on the side of caution and safety for those individuals when they go into these particular. Because to be honest with you, I hope more and more we'll see uh, genderless restrooms. But I, right now, I think that's we not do. Really the case. And just we like do. We, there are yeah. places. No, no, no. Absolutely. But I'm saying, yeah. in order to do that, like if you go to an airport, mm -hmm. you can have them individually. But th that means you have to make special accommodation for that. And that's so, the so Jason, difficulty because I'll, that I'll give you an money. example. A, a, a trans man. We've got about a half a minute. Okay. A trans man may feel more comfortable using the men's restroom because he looks like a man. Correct. He's identified but as he's a man. He's going to go into a stall. He's presenting as a man, and he's going to go into a stall and use restroom. But he may feel safer. In a women's restroom. Mm. And that that is the that's why I say it's not such an easy thing. And if you know trans people and you've talked with them about their daily lives, there's a million little ways that they don't feel safe, that they don't feel included, that they don't feel seen and that they're not allowed to exist in public shared spaces. And we just have to do a better job. And that's why I love this idea of just saying period products and birthing person. I know it's hard and it's you, no one's going to. It's not even that hard. No we gonna, just got to yeah, change it's just our a, minds It's a just bit. a shift. It's just yeah, a little just bit a of a shift. shift. And that's you don't right. have to understand everything about that's it. That's right. I don't have to understand everything about your experience right. to say when you say to me, I'm not comfortable uh, hitchhiking right. as a black man, I'm going to say, OK, I don't need you to. I'm not going to sit here and like give you the ninth degree. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think that's where we just need to be evolve. Our thinking is you don't have to know everything. You don't have to have everything explained to you. And everything that you experience is not what the rest of the Absolutely. world experiences. Well, okay. and I think the important thing to say here also, though, is that out of the three of us here, none of 
us are in this community, mm-hmm. and we can't speak for this community. Because we don't, we, and we, we are no not clue. speaking for this community. I think it's really important because, as a woman of color, I always have a lot of people speaking for me, <laughs> and you know they know how I feel, and they're going to stand up for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's really important to say that. Well, we I will say this: we do see you, we stand up for you, though we don't know everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm 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 happy to acknowledge and that. And I'm glad this bill passed for all oh, of the right. people that Who, it will help. That, it will keep right. people in school and at jobs and just make them feel a little bit less shameful about something that is biological. And it's society is better when we uh, accept more people. When we come back, I want to stay on this track of uh unusual things happening in the news when uh and now we're talking terrorism, right? Mm-hmm. So when we come back, you're listening to Voices of Reason. Amy Donaldson, Jason Lee, Voices of Reason, along today with Ann Dent. And we're talking about a variety of things. And actually, we started out with uh, what became a two-segment uh, talk about feminine products. I'm sorry. I did it again. Menstrual about products. About menstrual products. And who knew that there was this wide array of information to be said about it? Uh, I do now, so I feel better We could that. spend the whole hour on it if you want. I well, just you, you and yeah. I. I feel like, like I that ha- is true. We yeah. have to focus on saying the right words, and it's yes. out of habit, right? That's that right. we mm-hmm. say feminine products. And, and eventually it's going to be – we're all going to be saying menstrual products. Okay. Mm-hmm. But away from that. So another surprising thing that happened uh, this week to me was I was reading the, the news a couple of days ago. And the headline says, uh, uh, American woman uh, arrested as – uh, she she'd been an an ISIS wife multiple times, and she was actually uh, captured uh, by you know federal uh, forces because she was a terrorist leader, born and raised in the heartland. And please explain. So this former teacher from Kansas, and if you look at her, I mean she's this green eyed, just very light skinned woman is leading an all-female ISIS military battalion planning terrorist attacks in shopping malls and college campuses in the U.S. And I mean, a 42-year-old woman, she was detained in Syria. That's where they arrested her. How does this happen? How it's does this, crazy. That's the question here. And she was mm-hmm. married multiple times to other uh, ISIS members. And mm-hmm. sadly, they were each uh, executed, killed. By uh, U.S. forces is what ends up happening. So I think it's interesting to see that, uh, you know, everyone always thinks radicalization is something that happens in the desert or like some mm-hmm. remote place where women don't have any other options. And this is a way to, like, save themselves or be special or whatever. But it actually happens here and in, in, in a lot of industrialized countries that people who feel um, for whatever reason, and it can be uh, – I have read in my 30 years, especially when I was covering crime and corrections, a lot of ways in which people feel ostracized or left out of the larger societal – you know, any any kind of group. They can't find their place. People need to belong somewhere, right? And so if you – especially enticing is being able to belong and be special, have some purpose, have something that make, sets you apart. You're not just – a loser that nobody wants to be friends with. You are, you know, you are, you are different. You're special. And honestly, I think one of the 
things that draws people in into any of these movements, these hate movements, I, I would say, is this idea that they're doing something noble or, you know, uh, divinely inspired or something. And it's terrifying when you talk to them because you realize it's not about logic or there's no way to stop this. And and I think this is one of the things that's made ISIS so successful is they can radicalize you through the Internet and and reading basically videos and reading material that will never, ever shut down. Well, and to me, it's crazy is that this like so Rich, remember, uh, what is it? Richard Reed. There was a guy who was from Detroit. He was a African-American fellow. Mm-hmm. He uh, tried to uh, do something is the reason why we can't use lighters or something on a plane now. And, and so this woman and. There's plenty of Americans who uh, convert to Islam. But in, the, in this way that is so surprising is that she became the enemy of the country that she's from. Uh, and she went so far as to become so radicalized and so um, – Extreme. Ex- well, extreme. Mm-hmm. But she's also – she became educated and informed. She, she was teaching these people – how to uh, make bombs, uh, use weapons. She was all in. Like if she was a guy, she'd have been a special forces uh, operator. You know, this woman was, she was serious. And I would love to know how something like that happens to somebody. uh, And, you know, just, it just, it kind of blew my mind. Well, I think that Amy really pointed out why this happens to people is they're searching to belong and they're, they're, they're lost and looking for, for something, but also I also want to point out it's always so interesting to me when white people join these groups. Mm-hmm. It's because they're searching and they're lost, and it's sad. When black men join gangs, I very rarely hear, and, and I shouldn't just say black, but when BIPOC young males join gangs, we don't hear, well, their mom's in prison and their dad is dead, and they were looking to belong. We hear he's a thug, mm-hmm. right? You're right. It is so interesting. It just occurred to me because we're talking about this woman and it's like, you know, she's she was looking for something and she's looking to belong. That narrative does is not a privilege that BIPOC individuals hardly ever get. Mm-hmm. Well, right. And, and I, f- I feel like especially the reason we're, we're so surprised, right, is that here's a woman who would seem to have, at least in America, a lot of options as to have a, a fulfilling life. She's it. Like she's she's. You know, yeah, relatively attractive woman, and you know that. But somehow, she just makes this incomplete—I don't even know if it's left turn, right turn—just some extreme direction where she says, "I'm I'm going the opposite way. I, I want to uh, kill the patriarchy, and I'm going to do this by going to the most extreme patriarchy that you can find, uh, because Ameri- death to America, because we are all that is." The worst about the world, capitalism, uh, you know, whatever. I, I, I don't know all of the things that people hate us for, which is pretty much everything. But mm-hmm. I, I would still suggest that to see a person like her or to see the guy Richard Reed was a Brit and, and he, too, would have been a person who you would think had some options in his life. But somehow out of a, a, a relatively, you know, s- simple upbringing, they become these people who decide to go the exact opposite direction and in a way that is harmful, not just because they, they, they're willing to kill people who look just like them, mm-hmm. who ha- have been innocents, no less, because they're all we're all infidels if we don't belong to their particular uh, uh, 
sect of Islam. But also, why do you think this is like this is in Vice News? It's not in right. Like it isn't US in NBC or, or ABC. That's right. It's because she look this. If this was a black woman, or if this was a this would be a headline, right? Right. Because. People are not as interested when white people commit crimes like this. I love Vice News, and I used to uh, when I had cable, uh, not cable, uh, satellite. I used to watch it every day because they have they have a channel on there. Yeah. Unfortunately, I got YouTube TV now, so they don't have them set up because they covered world news in a way that was so enlightening that American news uh, outlets do not. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's the reason I knew about what was happening in Venezuela. It's uh, the reason why I understand. What, what is happening in Syria and those areas that are now in Turkey, because we don't talk about it here. It, you, you never find out about any of that stuff through CNN or Fox News or any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. It just never happens. So thank goodness for uh, a news organization that was actually found by Canadians. So they they have a broader view and they were willing to you know put their people in those uh, places in the world. Mm-hmm. And they have folks who actually are uh, native of those uh uh, countries helping to provide the information that would inform us all. Well, and I, I just also want to point out there's actually been a lot of good reporting on the fact that anyone can be radicalized. And some of this is uh, examination of why people are joining white supremacy groups because um, white nationalism is definitely on the rise. Yep. Um, and so and and it's been identified. Again. It's been identified by our, our government yep. as a, a, one of the major threats to our country. Right. To, to safety. And um, it's an absolute threat to everything, including our democracy. But one of the things that I thought was really fascinating is they went and they asked these people who have left or who are sort of getting out of this, like, what was it that radicalized them? What? How did they get into it? Right. And these are all white people because it's a white supremacist movement. But the thing that I found fascinating is that this researcher is saying the the most, like, I guess, surprising thing to the to the researcher was that anyone could fall victim to this. That it, this is not about you grew up poor and you didn't have options, like you said. Um, you know, which is what I would assume. Like, right? You're, no one was your friend. These were captains of sports teams. These were these are people who do belong. These are people who do have money, who do have options, who have every reason to not hate their country, right? And the and they are the people who are being radicalized. So you have to ask yourself, like, there's something in us as human beings. That is drawn to this, like, I have to have a, a divine purpose. I have mm-hmm. to be better than someone else. Right. What is that about us? Well, we want to belong, right? We're flock creatures by nature. But, like, we, but there's an, also an aspect in, the, in these interviews where they want to be better than, mm-hmm. where they want to be oh, superior. They, right, want to right. be, they want to be the leader. They want power. And it's a real, it's, it's definitely, I mean, the reason they call it white power movement is because it's about that's power. That's what they want, right? Yeah. And they don't so, even recognize that they already have it. That's the worst part about it. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. They feel they will ob- absolutely always center themselves as a victim, yeah. you know. And so that I think it, it, I encourage everyone to listen to those because don't ever think that you couldn't be <laughs> in that seat. Right. When I hear stories like that, I think I kind of want to know more about it because I want to know how I can avoid. I don't want to get sucked into something hateful and mm-hmm. destructive, but I am not above thinking that I could. When we come back, we'll continue our discussion about news of the week that is just kind of mind-blowing to me, anyway. Uh, You're listening to Voices of Reason. J. 
Jason Lee, Amy Donaldson, back with the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. Again, today joined by Ann Dent, who uh, we're going to talk. This segment, we're going to switch a little bit. We're going to go to education because there's this movement across the country where white people, they're tired of being shamed about their whiteness. And they are trying to make it so that they can avoid having to feel that uncomfortable feeling of learning, being reminded of the behaviors, the institutional discrimination that has been baked into this country since it was founded. And uh, mm-hmm. so in so doing, states around the country, many of them, uh, Utah being one of them uh, more mm-hmm. recently, have instituted or at least pushed legislation that would make it so that uh, you can you have more power in making it so that the people who are uh, involved in the educational process, uh, they can be in their minds, be held accountable for it and potentially well, uh, hurt by it. Actually, I, th- I mean, I th- it's important in your home state and in Texas, they have outlawed, uh, they have laws that have passed. She, she, you she had to bring that out, Amy. Yes. Thanks. No, but I mean, it's, and I'm, well, I'm sure there are these bills in Alaska, too, because they're very red. But I think that the, the shocking thing to me is that anyone wants to, they're getting rid of, they're not allowed to teach about Martin Luther King Jr. and Cesar Chavez. These are not radical Oh, uh, sure discussion. No, no, but no. They, these have been. These are the few people white people know about. I mean, how many they, schools really teach about those, though? Too. That's yeah. the sad they, thing. They, 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 no, they, right? they teach right, about yeah. them. It's a very superficial yes. lesson. But I'm just saying these are things that we've sort of all like. Oh, we can talk about MLK. We can talk. We can read. The I have a dream speech. Right. Um, those are things that have sort of been universally accepted as ways to discuss race that are. You know, generally accepted. Now these generally accepted racial discussions, even about people that everyone are celebrating now, um, are are being banned. Are being they're being taken out of textbooks. They're being taken out of discussions. And the reason it matters that it happens banning in, books again. The reason that it matters that it happens in Texas. Where the red fern grows. Texas dictates a lot of what's in textbooks because they Mockingbird. have so many textbooks. You guys My favorite. I know. I mean, which. Yeah. which yeah. Keep going. I'm, but, uh, but, I, but, I, but I think um, the, the Florida, the discomfort, the white, don't make white people uncomfortable bill. I mean, and I'm that's sort of the name that it has been. But I, I it, go listen to the debates on these things. It's really about I don't want you to make my kid feel bad about being white. Yeah. And I it's just appalling that it's, this is happening. It's just dangerous. And I think that, you know, there is this saying and I'm not going to get it word word right but the gist of it is if we don't know our history we're bound to repeat it right which is what exactly what is happening right now human beings are human beings and we have these power struggles and egos and all kinds of things and we are just repeating what has gone on before us and in a worse way because we have now social media we have more money we have the means to hurt people and oppress people more than back in you know, the 60s and 70s. Like, it is worse than the 60s and 70s because there's more to take away. Well, in some ways, it's worse. Let's not, let's not go too far on. I mean, but let's, they were beating the hell out of people. I mean, uh, they still are. No, I know, but yeah. not, not on the on the scale. Our racism has evolved. Our racism has evolved. It's gotten more I I mean, yeah. Jason and I were talking about schools that are still segregated. No, it's true. Yeah. It's true. Proms that are segregated. I mean, there's all... We are trying to get a black 
Supreme Court Court justice, justice. and there is uproar. And these women are all, um, I mean, if we get any of the women that names are being mentioned, they are amazing qualified yeah. W- women. Yeah. And but let's let's focus on yes, the bill. The, the bill here by Senator John Johnson from yep. Ogden. Um and it, it's a basically this happens to be in the Utah State it gives parents and this is why I wanted to talk about this blanket legal standing to obtain judicial or other legal relief. So basically they can sue to it, it, in, as an exercise of parental right. So if they don't like something that is being taught or they feel it is an infringement on their rights they can sue a teacher, school, and school district. For anything. Yeah, it's two-way, yep. Anything they perceive as... So say they're having a discussion about Second Amendment rights or they're having a discussion about freedom of speech. And um, and, and look, I, we had these discussions pretty vigorously. I remember having the history class on the Trail of Tears and the discussion we had there was a very... People got really hot. They got we were there were yell there was yelling going on, right? Really? So, when you grew up you talked about those things? Yes. Yeah. In my oh. school. But I had I had a black history teacher. <laughs> in Alaska? <laughs> yep. And he was I also never, our football coach. I never learned about any of those things. But I but I so I think yeah. well you were in Texas. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> but I but I but I think um this is a this for me the really sad there's a lot of sad things about the the movement in education right now or the movement against education right now and that is that we see teachers and educators as the enemy we see them as people who need to be controlled radicals trying to take our children from us trying to undermine our parental authority and honestly it's my job teachers save my life as a kid and they're the only reason that i am a functioning member of society I had. To I'm sure watch. Gene and Don are not really happy to no, hear what you just they said. Will, they will. No, they would concur. There are w- things that teachers and coaches can do for kids that parents cannot do. Mm-hmm. There, you do not have. You have, you know, a, a sway, and and they have a credibility with you that your parents may or may not have. We need each other. I need the teachers who help me with my kids. I need the coaches who help me with my kids. I, I don't see this as a positive thing in any way, shape, or form. I think this is just so scary because, you know, we're taking the trust away from these teachers who have dedicated their lives. They're not doing it for the money. They're not doing it for the glamour. In our society, teachers aren't raised on these pedestals in general, right? There are people like Amy and I, and I I expect you, Jason, also, who we... His mom's a teacher. We endear (laughs) teachers. Teachers are like... For me also, like teachers and my soccer coaches who were teachers, mm-hmm. they saved my life. Like mm-hmm. I had immigrant parents who didn't know to emotionally feed me. And it was my teachers who said, did you sleep? Did you eat? Are you OK? Mm-hmm. Are you depressed? Mm-hmm. And now we're I never saying had any of those teachers. Oh, and we're and I had great teachers, but literally I in I, this bill, it says parents have the primary authority and responsibility for the education of the parents, children as recognized and protected under this bill. And it's just saying that and it can be I, I'm glad Amy said this. It could be the most minuscule thing that then a parent can say, I don't like that you brought that up. It's offensive. We are going to sue you. What teacher making 30000 right. a year and has to buy their own supplies with that money and work 70 hours a week 
Okay, they make $35,000 a year. But I think they start now at like forty-five. or Gosh. Well, either way, it ain't enough for the job they do. No. Then they could get sued for just talking about these things. Mm-hmm. And especially when the kids ask them no, listen, about these things. So I taught for three years. I taught junior high journalism for three years. And I'll tell you, it's hard even if you just stick to the course material. But what happens is kids come to you and they say, this thing happened to me. What should I do? And there are many times I felt in over my head, I don't have that. And, and I would say, I, I don't have the knowledge or the expertise to help you with this. You need to tell your parents and you need to get help, right? There were uh, suicidal kids, um, kids who were LGBTQ, uh, kids who were being abused. Um, it You don't know what teachers are listening to. Teachers, I mean, I know coaches who are worried about feeding their kids before they play sports because they have kids who don't have a home and you don't get to discuss that and you don't get to talk about that and you don't get to go out on a limb for that. And I, I just think if parents would just take a breath and I understand that some of this stuff is scary, that's OK. Read the books that you want banned first and and talk to the teachers. They're on your side. But what all we're going to do is drive really great human beings out of this profession because I don't care if you make $100,000 a year. I wouldn't deal with this. Teaching was too hard for me, and it wasn't about the money. It was about being able to send my kid to that private school. Uh, it, I just, it's too hard. I, I loved the moments where a kid would have a, oh my gosh, I can become a newspaper columnist, or I'm funny. I can actually write funny stuff. I love those moments where kids saw some potential in themselves, but we're not going to have that if it's, we turn the school into a battleground. Okay, I hate to end it on that discussion, but um, be involved in your state legislature and the local politics because and school boards, all that stuff, because that's the that's important. It's more important than the presidential election in a lot of ways. The local, it's what affects you every day. It's what affects your family, your surroundings, and be more involved. Join us again. For the next episode of the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason, if you have any comments about the show, please contact us via email at voramed at gmail.com or at vorjasonl at gmail. You can also find us on Twitter at adonsports and at jasonlee1. The show's Twitter handle is at vorpodcast. Check out our Facebook page, and you can also find and subscribe to episodes of our podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and all the other places where you find interesting content. Be sure to review our show as well. We'd love to get your feedback, and of course, it helps us grow our audience. Until next time, along with Amy Donaldson and Ann Dent today, when you engage in passionate debate, do your best to keep your dialogue civil. Try to be the voice of reason. Voices of Reason is a production of the Loudmouth Project. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.